The Process, a podcast about creativity and experimental music. In the world of experimental music, outcomes and accolades for creators can be uncertain and at times seem far and few between. Therefore, creators and practitioners of experimental music must embrace the one thing they will always have complete control over, the process. This podcast aims to understand this creative process by listening to new works and discussing them with their creators. Each episode focuses on one creator and their music. Understanding how and why they create can inform aspiring creatives and help audiences better understand and navigate experimental music. I'm Dr. Doug Bielmeyer, and I'll be your host as we explore the world of experimental music, creativity, and the human need to find purpose in their world and lives. This is The Process. Welcome to The Process. I'm Dr. Doug Bielmeyer, and today we'll be talking to Robert Dick, who is known for as an improviser, as someone from New York, and uh, someone who is an inventor of sorts um, and has created new devices for the flute. Um, He's also known as a composer. And all three of those things we talk about today on the podcast. But one of the things that really struck me about speaking with Robert um, was, of course, you know, his just general affable nature and his humility, um, even being somebody as experienced as and accomplished as he. But just in general, I was in awe of his experience and his certainty. And let me let me qualify that a little bit. Often on this show, I'm asking composers creative cogitations or about the creative cogitations, and I'm often asking them to sort of quantify um, or explain their their thoughts about some of these. And 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 some of these are really difficult questions, and and a lot of them I still haven't answered, uh, even at the humble age of forty something. We won't get into specifics here. We're all friends, um, so. You know, it was very interesting to speak with somebody who had a lot of certainty about some of these questions and and not in a very, you know, shallow way that, you know, he hadn't thought about these or, or hadn't lived most of these, but in a very, very thorough way of just saying, hey, I'm at this point in my experience and, and my life and my journey, and this is the way I see it. And so I think that was really refreshing to hear sort of a, a master composer, musician, ex, ex, experimentalist, improviser, um, and inventor, um, and just a general lover of music and lover of creativity, um, have just such definitive and sort of answers for a lot of these difficult questions that all creatives ask. So I think you're really going to enjoy this episode and just hearing Robert's perspective that has, you know, been there and back um, and has had a lot of great times uh, and some difficult ones too along the way. So without further ado, uh, let's learn a little bit more about Robert and listen to an excerpt from his piece, Mitochondrial Ballet. 
Robert Dick has been described by the New York Times as a flutist whose technical resources and imagination seem limitless. Robert Dick has dispensed with preconceptions about what a flutist should sound like and what a flutist should play. A revolutionary composer, performer, and improviser, he has literally redefined the flute for our age. He began composing and improvising in the 1970s, driven by the core idea that acoustic instruments can be played as human-powered synthesizers and by his love of continuous transformation of sound. Listening to Robert Dick play solo has been likened to the experience of hearing a large ensemble, an ensemble in which the instruments seem both acoustic and electronic and freely morph into each other. Robert has performed and recorded with an extraordinary array of musical personalities, including Steve Lacey, John Zorn, and many others. Robert's invention, the glissando head joint, has revolutionized the essential sound of the flute, doing for the flute what the whammy bar does for the electric guitar and bringing a vocal quality that is entirely new to the instrument. On today's episode, we listen to Mitochondrial Ballet from Robert's album, Our Cells Know, released on Zadig Records. Creativity is just the life force itself. Absolutely. I mean, if, I mean, if you want to ask a real expert about creativity, mm-hmm. talk to the nearest toddler. <laughs> um, and because, you know, hand a two-year-old anything that anything. she or he has not seen before, hopefully nothing dangerous, <laughs> yes. and, and just watch what they do with it. Mm-hmm. It's something that you would never, ever as an adult think of. Right. And, right. and, and so we're born in a creative state. Absolutely. And, and if, you know, there are all these terminologies, um, and, but, but, you know, the creative journey is to, is to find a way back to that state Mm -hmm. in childhood. And, and, um, if one can actually manage it to, to revisit that, more or less it will, then you're able to create. So Robert, as, as an adult now, what object, uh, hopefully a safe one, what object do I hand to you to, uh, to uh, make, start the creative process for you? What is it? Well, you could hand me a flute of some kind. <laughs> right, um, yeah. um, I mean, in, in a, although my music is certainly flute-centric, right. in many ways it's not really about the flute. Yeah, it's 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 about you know my interior world, and I'm using the tool that I have the the most facility with, mm-hmm. and uh, and of course I have that facility because I love the flute. 
Absolutely. So, um, and, um, so handing me one of those would be a very good, <laughs> probably um, a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah. So after somebody has handed you the flute and, um, you're working out an idea, um, you know, you, you list yourself as an improviser as well as a composer and a musician. So, you know, what's the order of that in the creative process? Are you beginning with just pure improvisation? Um, do you have a plan or is it literally just you're handing yourself the flute um, or a deadline or commission is handing you the flute right, to do something? So is it is it just pure improv when you begin the creative process or is it more organized? You know, it's, it's different every time. Absolutely. Um, I, I, I don't have like a, a fixed kind of approach. Sure. Um, on the compositional side of things, mm -hmm. um, Sometimes, you know, I will start improvisationally. Sure. Uh, and then, you know, hit on something and they go like, okay, yeah. there's the piece. Yeah, yeah that sparked um, the idea. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times, um, you know, it, it's a very different experience for me if I'm actually going to write all the notes on paper or not. Mm -hmm. um, most of the music I make is it never gets written down. And uh, most concerts I play are completely improvised, and the the document would be the recording. Yeah. And um, so, but if I am planning to write something down, oftentimes the biggest part of you know the the the, the most difficult stage is developing the concentration where I can enter the world where that piece is playing. Yeah. And um, and then I can leave it to, you know, do the things I need to do yeah. and then be able to re-enter it, um, you know, fairly freely. Um, and, and oftentimes the first period of work on a piece is nothing, in the end, is nothing more than that. And yeah. I'll find that all the stuff that I wrote with such difficulty... Um, yeah. Goes like, well, okay. Um, it's very rare that any of that stuff gets salvaged for use later. Uh, I mean, once in a while, you write something and it's sure. just not going to work in the piece you're doing, and you save it and it gets useful useful later. But very often, all of that stuff was just, you know, the spiritual calisthenics. You know? yeah. yeah, and. Um, and then finally, like, okay, I, I understand what this piece will be. Yeah. And um, occasionally a piece is very nice and it will tell you right away what it's about. Yeah, yeah. Um, but often um, they can be pretty taciturn. <laughs> <laughs> so is, so does performance, is performance part of this process too? So sometimes when you're approaching a, an upcoming performance, do you have pieces that maybe are still sort of arguing with you a little bit and maybe through performance you can you can find some of the answers for for yes for, for definitely yeah. uh, i've had that experience many times where i i know that mm -hmm. in this situation yeah. you know it's on i am going to go end to end <laughs> and and very often i found the thing I was struggling to find just came to me in the performance. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, so 
there really is something about you know the the collective energy in the room when there are other people there, yeah. and um, and there's really something about the reality that well you know. I'm going to play something. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what um, I was going to ask you. Do you think it's the feedback from the audience or do you think it's just the sheer terror of performance? You know, just the, the I'm well, up there and I, you know, I have to, you know, people are coming to see something. Yeah. Um, well, I, I'm happy to say that in, in this yeah. long phase of my life, yeah. um, performing is something I welcome. Yeah. Uh, and and there's I, there's no terror. Yeah, um, I, I think I mean, it was just the, the kind of more of the general like every situation is sort of like this uncontrollable yeah. thing that you just jump into. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you welcome it. You welcome it. I do, and if I haven't played for people in a while, I, yeah. then I get yeah. very absolutely you know, like yeah. You're like, why am I in a funk? I don't understand. Yeah. And it's yes. like, oh, I haven't picked up the flute in a while. Yeah. Well, I pick mm -hmm. up the flute pretty much every day, <laughs> but, yeah. but I haven't played for people, yeah. you know. Oh, okay. Um, oh, so that's the you know, distinction. I mean, yeah. I, I, I'm not somebody who only works when there's a deadline or a project. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and in a way, you know, like this recent pandemic period where, uh, we, a lot of us spent a lot of time at home. Yes. And, um, well, my, my solo playing, you know, took a <laughs> giant leap forward in that time. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, my ensemble chops got a little rusty. <laughs> Maybe a little um, rusty, yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, that comes back as, as you do. So it's both the internal adrenaline and it is the fact that yeah. Playing for people does give something that yeah. isn't there when they're not there. Yeah. And um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be like, you know, this giant crowd. Mm -hmm. um, a couple of months ago, um, I played this tiny concert in um, Germany yeah. uh, with, with another flutist, uh, Ulrika Lentz. Mm -hmm. um, one of the best improvising flutists in the world who yeah. nobody knows about. <laughs> and, um, you know, we have a duo CD mm -hmm. that nobody knows about. about. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, um, and we played in her living room for three people. Yeah. Because, you know, the COVID lockdown thing. And sure. Yeah. Where she lives is not that easy to get to. Yeah, and so, um, and yet... It had the same intensity yeah. as would have been if there were, you know, 30 or 300 people there.
none of this music was written. It was all improvised. I see. And, and, and um, there was um, a pianist in, in, in New York, uh, Stephanie Stone. Mm -hmm. Irving and Stephanie Stone were the ultimate improvised music fans. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and there were decades where, you know, it wasn't actually a real gig if Stephanie and Irving hadn't been there. <laughs> been there well, <laughs> Irving, Irving died and some years later, so did Stephanie. Mm -hmm. And, and, and um, the reason John Zorn's performance space is called The Stone is in mm -hmm. honor of the Stones. Yeah. And, um, you know, this email went around that there's going to be a memorial. And I wrote to him, I said, look, it, will there be a couple of minutes for me? Mm -hmm. um, I, I would really like to play something for Stephanie. He said, sure. Mm -hmm. So I thought, you know, I want to do something special. Yeah. And um, normally I don't drag the contrabass flute around to, <laughs> um, you know, mm -hmm door gigs or mm -hmm. or in this case there was no money it was just we were just doing this yeah and um but i thought you know for stephanie uh, i'll yeah. do something Absolutely. more yeah. and and i worked up i worked on some ideas mm -hmm. um which in all honesty i don't actually remember that well <laughs> but they were very vivid then yeah and yeah. um and John got very excited mm -hmm. and, in, and, and asked me if I would make a contrabass flute album. And I, um, I wasn't really sure I could do that. Mm -hmm. In fact, I had a lot of doubts that I could do a whole mm -hmm. contrabass flute album. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, maybe we could just do low flutes. I could bring the bass right. and mm -hmm. then the, the, F, the bass flute in F. Because mm -hmm. um, I have a flute that's between the bass flute and the contrabass flute, mm -hmm. and um, I spent a lot of time improvising away over the you know mm -hmm. the months before yeah. the session, and then you know the day arrived. We'll go out to this studio. Um, the entire thing was done um, in about two and a half hours. Yeah. When I got home that evening. I, I've rarely been as tired. My, yeah. my, I was drained. Was like running a, a marathon on top of a marathon. Yeah. 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 It is the best solo music improvisation I've recorded to date. Um, and, and the reason I feel that is that during that entire session, mm -hmm. I spent incredibly little time thinking about myself. Yeah. Um, you know, the goal, of course, is to not think about yourself at all. Which is impossible. <laughs> but well, yes. <laughs> Maybe not for this two hours. <laughs> the impossible. Um, well, I got I got closer than I've ever gotten to it. Absolutely. Yeah. And um and you mentioned the word honesty before. And so yes, yeah. it was just really yeah. honest. Mm -hmm. And so now um I, I um, have been listening to African music for a yeah. long time, yeah. and um, there's a wonderful collection of CDs that were recorded in Africa in the 40s and 50s and 60s, um, and um, it was this British guy who took a recording caravan out into the bush 
Sure. And he had this incredible way of finding great musicians, and somehow they trusted him. Yeah. Um, and and so there's like 26 of these CDs. I um, particularly enamored of, of the drumming. Now, I never have studied African drumming formally. Right. And mm -hmm. and what I've done is I've listened a lot and just tried to absorb it mm -hmm. and then find a way to, you know, integrate it into my music. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of percussion stuff on, yeah. on, on in, in, in particularly in mitochondrial ballet, yeah. And then also there's one later on in the CD called After Image Before, yeah. um, which I dedicated to my favorite rock drummer, who was what had been Ginger <laughs> Baker. Um, I mean, it was a close contest, you know, between, uh, you know, Keith Moon and Ginger Baker. <laughs> and and um, uh, Ringo is in a different category, category. you know. Um, you know, just pure taste, and 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 uh, I love Ringo's playing, and but um, but these African drummers, um, and and of course, when you're doing this with your fingers, yeah, there's also a big physical challenge to that, yeah, and so this is something I've been developing over years and years. <laughs> creative a primal urge yes absolutely mm -hmm. why else would we do it right i mean um the legitimate question also is well look what else would you do right and yeah. anything else that i would do i would feel like you know i'm just selling the time right um i certainly feel it's a good year if uh, you know I've made some new pieces, or if I've recorded, you know, a, a CD or two. Um, so it's linked to the you actually what you produce or what you create or what you improvise. That's defining you in some way, or yeah. Well, I heard Elliot Carter say something very sweet and very true. Mm -hmm. You know, he was introducing a, a concert of his music, of course, and. Um, you know, it was the Elliot Carter first team, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. Ursula Oppens and mm -hmm. uh, Rolf Schulte and, you know, folks oh. like that. Mm -hmm. And and he said, you know, people ask me, mm -hmm. you know, also about my music and about myself. And he said, actually, my music says far more about me than I ever could. Yeah. And, 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 and that's really true. What about though, when it's not going well, 
Because it, because, uh, you know, I mean, especially somebody you like you that has a career as, as long as you had and have had the experiences, it's not always this great, fulfilling, identity affirming process. Sometimes it can be a bit of a struggle. And, and do you feel that? Do you, do you have, do you, well, do you feel that, yeah. that struggle? Well, of yeah. course. Yeah. Of course. I mean, you know, we all are, you yeah. know, living here in the material world. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, yes, it can be a struggle, and um, there are many people playing much less creative music mm-hmm. than I do who are making much more money. Well, what if you had to stop? What if you had to stop improvising because at the concerts people were screaming too loud? You know, I'm thinking of the Beatles example of not touring anymore because, you know, they would go to shows and it would just be young women screaming. I, I, I mean, as my grandmother would have said, you know, you should have such problems. Problems, uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But the fact that there isn't a huge audience for my music doesn't make me stop playing it. Playing. Yeah. And. You know, sometimes when you ask, is it not going well? I, the, my first thought was during yeah. the compositional process, yeah. sometimes things are not going well. Yes, yes. That is the, the struggle within the within yeah. the larger and, struggle. And, yeah. and there there have been plenty of times where I've you know said, like, yeah. why am I doing this to myself? Yeah. 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 But the feeling at the end where there's mm-hmm. a piece where there was no piece before right. is indescribably great. Yeah. And And... You know, the great flute maker Albert Cooper said once, he said, yeah, it can be really hard at times. But the feeling when it's done and you hand it to the player, he said, it's just, it's, for me, it's the greatest feeling. Well, uh, Robert, this is this has been fantastic um, talking with you. I, I just love some of your experience and your takes on this whole creative process and this idea. Um, before I let you go, is where can we go to find out more about you, uh, about uh, this album, and just about your music in general? Number one, of course, would be RobertDick.net. Number two would be um, if you go to YouTube and you do Robert Dick Flute, that will sort me out from a number of other things. And um, and I have quite a few um both performance videos, um, there's solo ones, and there are also some really good ensemble concerts. And, um, you know, it's particularly a trio with um, Adam Kane playing electric guitar and Tiffany Whiten Chang playing drums. There's also a remarkably good, if I may say so, duo concert with uh, the pianist Ursel Schlicht, which can be found on um, Roulette. TV. And, um, you know, these days, nobody has any place to hide anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks to Robert for sharing his time and music with us. If you enjoyed this episode, please check out other episodes in the series. And as always, like, subscribe, or leave a comment on your preferred podcasting app. I'm Dr. Doug Bielmeyer, and this has been The Process.